Hello and welcome to another episode of the Boston Celtics Reddit Podcast. We are back here again discussing everything that's been going on around the Celtics and around the subreddit itself. I am Ben Vallis and I'm joined all the way from Newcastle, Australia by Jackson. How are you, mate? Very well. Thanks for having me, boys. Yeah, no worries, mate. Thanks for being here. Also online, it's Joe the Kiwi. Joe, how are you, mate? I'm great. I'm great. I'm better than Stephen Adams, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, Stevie boy, you copped another one right in the Kiwis. Yeah, the madness has got to stop, man. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's like an Australian plot, you know, to, to like ruin to ruin our, our prospects of getting Adam's progeny to suit up for the Tall Blacks in the future. I'll leave that there. I'm sure he'll just chuck a Russell Crowe or a Bainsey or something and defect over here to Australia at some point. <laughs> it's all good. Coming up on the show, we'll touch on all the Celts games from over the past week. We're going to get to the latest news around the team, including some positive injury-related news, finally. Later, Jackson's been out there scouting around the league, around our closest opponents, preparing for another session of Opponent Watch. And finally, we'll highlight some of the top posts and comments from around the subreddit over the past week. But first, Joe, we played the Wizards and we lost. We did lose. We, uh, we, had some, we had some interesting chat backwards and forwards on that game. Um, it was a fun day. It was sort of a continuation from the Pacers game where we were kind of in a game that we weren't supposed to be in, right? Um, I, I, I was... Um, okay, I got, a, I got a Tatum free throw theory. See what you reckon, Jason. Like, he shoots a really good percentage, but he doesn't use his legs. Like, he's all arms up there. And... and and maybe I'm just like an old-school basketball purist, but I reckon you got to use your legs a little more on your free throws. I, don't, I reckon it makes you a bit susceptible to nerves and fatigue. What do you guys reckon? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good observation there, obviously. I, I, don't, I don't know how about you guys felt, but when he missed that one that would have put us up four, I think about 30 seconds to go, yes. when he got that other one at the end of the period, I just yep. thought, I thought the worst. I really didn't want to believe it, but... I did. So, um, yeah, maybe if he'd used his legs, it was a little bit more fluid, a little bit more of a bend, we could have uh, gotten, the, gotten the W there. But, um, yeah, look, it was, it was heartbreaking watching, uh, watching him go through that. I'm sure he's going to learn from it, and I'm sure he's uh, not going to leave the gym without making a 1,000 of them from now on. <laughs> yeah, well, I think Marcus Morris probably has more to do with that loss. It's amazing he forget it. Like, it wasn't that long ago, but, my gosh, that was one of the dumbest things I've ever ever seen at the end of a game I mean he had a great game and so Tatum did too right like you know he still made that he still made that tough layup to tie us up you know so I don't, I don't want to get out of control here but my goodness Mook where was your head at yeah I feel like there was a lot to feel positive about uh, from that game against the Wizards but the, the disappointments far outweighed the uh, the positives <laughs> unfortunately and I guess that's what comes with a loss to any team but there were some really promising things and I, I noted here that the first half of that game was one of the most uh, exhilarating Celtics experiences of the season for, for me and probably a lot of fans so far in the season in that really the expectations were low going into the game you know like we're super undermanned team going up against the Wizards who are undermanned themselves in that they're missing their all-star point guard but Really, we had no business being up in that game at any point, given the personnel that we were, we were down. And we went up by 20-odd, like, fairly early in the game. And, like, the game thread was pumping. It was like a nightclub or something. Like, everyone was just losing it. I was included. I was working from home that day. And, like, I was just in there with the capital letters and the exclamation marks and just <laughs> losing my mind along with everyone else. And then 
bit of regression to the mean there. And, you know, obviously the Wizards yeah. came back and eventually took the game from us. And, and Bradley Beal had that insane third quarter, scoring 34 points overall. Um, really just sort of killed us in the end. But like you said, that boneheaded play by Morris, who'd been playing so well, and he just ball watches and leaves. I think it was Jody Meeks in the corner. hits that three to send it to OT. It was just devastating. It was, it was just like, I don't know, I mean, like he just like completely forgot what the score was for about <laughs> about half a second, but there was the one half a second he needed to remember what the score was. But yeah, regression to the means probably a, a good way to put it. We kind of stole one out there. So Washington, when we played last time, remember when Kyrie got fouled shooting the three? Yeah. Uh, in regulation, so better time. Well, go around, come around. <laughs> you know, I just realised that was the uh, that was Markeith Morris who fouled him too. So that's true. Uh, don't yeah. d- don't have him on the on either of the brothers on the court when he down three and defending it. Did you see <laughs> Morris's Morris's quote? Morris's quote after the game. I don't know if you saw it, but he was like, "Twins do dumb shit, I guess." <laughs> Another quote that Morris had, it's a tough one. We had a lot of chances to win. I put that on me for just committing to the ball at the end, knowing that they needed a three, and they kicked it out to, to make a great play. That was my bad. Yeah, dude, it was totally your bad. Yeah. You, I'm glad that he's owning it, but man, that was frustrating. Like, you know, I'm sitting there on my couch watching them on the, on the TV. They're just little, little men on my, on my screen. Maybe it's the oversight I have from watching it from afar. But Those little as, NBA players. Yeah, as little, as little dudes. You're like, how can you, how can you do that? You're watching it what as it happens. a league for ants? <laughs> and he just, he just leaves them alone in the, in, the, uh, in the corner there to make that very obvious uh, shot that ended up winning them a game in the end. So, I don't know. It was frustrating. That's part of being a Hoops fan or any sports fan, I guess. Uh, before we do, move do on, do you feel like do you feel like that's therapy? Like, like I feel like I'm over it just by talking about it now. Like, I'm not sure I was over it until we just let it all out there. But I'm done with it now. We're good. I don't know how you feel. I reread the um the the chat you guys were having on the Hangouts page, going back to find the last point of it, and I was just yeah. it was like it was you'd go through all the emotions again. The big lead, they cut <laughs> it back three up, the overtime. Jason's layup, and it's just like ah ah. So yeah, no, it is. It's exercised a few demons going through it. It uh, helps going forward. Therapeutic. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Maybe totally. we should have a, a future segment called Couch Time, where we just get over the tough losses, <laughs> and deal with it. I need to lie down for this. That's a good idea. Uh, Tatum, nineteen points. Rogier, twenty-one points. Monroe is great again off the bench. Larkin's been fantastic. Uh, let's move on. Let's, uh, like you said, Joe. Let's let's move on from this and and let bygones be got bygones and uh, and forget this ever happened. Slightly better news, uh, and we'll just touch on this very quickly because there's really not much to discuss. But uh, Friday, Celtics at Magic. We won 92-83. The final score doesn't really tell the story. It was a blowout for the majority of the game. Any thoughts, guys? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I second that. I just will shout out Monroe though. I thought he was excellent um, off the bench. I think he had a team high plus. 17 and to go with uh, 17 points. No, I'm going to scuff that again. He was minus 12. He had a game high in points, 17. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll sh- I was making notes while I was watching this game. Well, I, I sat there with Notepad open, attempting to make notes with <laughs> the best intentions. And all I ended up with was, oh yeah, Hofford did all right. 15 points, seven rebounds, three assists. Nice sort of semi little comeback game for him. And yeah, Rogier and Monroe both with 17 points. Uh, each Boston starting five was a combined 24-62 from the field. Morris had 11 rebounds, but was just four of 15 from the field. So we talked about regression to the mean earlier, and uh, it's probably affecting one Marcus Morris there. 
Yeah, uh, against not, the Magic. Not to disrespect any team though, but the Magic, my God, they were abysmal to watch. Yeah, that that um, Sheldon Mac turnover, I think, where he had he was kind oh, of in ISO, and I, it know just, like, I don't know, even know how he did it. It his foot <laughs> just lost, it and it was a backcourt violation. Hilarious. But that's, um, <laughs> that's a social league type turnover, man. Let's <laughs> not hang around on that game much longer. Let's move on to the Pelicans game. Uh, two days ago, great first half, terrible second half. I thought we had this one for a little while there. What do you guys think? I felt like we, I don't know, it was disappointing to see us kind of let go of the rope. Like, I'm not, like, concerned that we lost. I'm just, I'm a little, like, I'm a little worried right now that, you know, we've had these games where we've, we've sort of gone in not expecting to win, and then, but, you know, hung tough, like the Pacers and the, um, and the Wizards game. And this one, we kind of just let it go. Like, it seemed like Nader bricking those free throws just completely had us shook. Like, we just... Like after that, we just went into a tailspin. Yeah, uh, I I think it's really important that we keep these games close when we're shorthanded. I, I think it's okay to lose, but I think we've got to we've got to play tough. Yeah, I mean, obviously, before this game started, the, the the players that we didn't have available to us just had loss written all over it. But again, we started pretty well. I think we were eight eight no, eight no up to to start the game and kept it fairly comfortable until about halftime. Third quarter was a little bit iffy, and then the fourth quarter was just a complete and utter just. In, sinking into oblivion it was really really tough to watch the free throws definitely hurt us big time there just i mean have you ever, have you ever seen anyone miss four in a row like it's, Never. it was yeah it was it was tough there i do feel sorry Nick for anderson the, yeah <laughs> i do feel sorry for the dude like he's he, i think he's the unanimous celtics celtics fans favorite dude to shit on when he doesn't play well he had a couple of good moments against the magic i thought but um yeah now obviously you can forgive jason tatum for missing a couple of crucial free throws in situations like that, given he's a rookie, given what he's been through. But um, those four, and it just completely killed the game for us. And, um, yeah, it was tough to take. It was dull weird to watch, too. Like, if you watch how he misses them, they're like carbon copies. They all kind of hit the hit the right iron and then kind of scoop almost, they kind of scoop under the rim and then, and then kind of lip out to the left. Um, it's, like, he missed the exact same way four times in a row. It's yeah. unbelievable. And after the first two, you could tell, just like, yeah. you can see the look on his face. He was just like, ah, oh, shit. And you can tell that he just like had lost his rhythm and you knew that he was going to miss the rest of those shots. I think, uh, I don't have the quote in front of me, but they interviewed Brad Stevens after the game, which is, you know, they always interview the coaches. And he basically said, you know, I put Nader in because I believe in him and I believe in him to make those shots and, you know, put in a similar position again when we've got a lot of our marquee players off injured for whatever reason, you know, I'd put him in a second time. So it's, it's mm. good to see that our coach backs our guys in that sense. Like it's at, you know, outside of this vacuum of Nader missing these shots. Like it's just great to see that we've got a coach that will back up his players even when they really, really shit the bed hard. That's, that's not gloss it over. Like he, he, <laughs> it was he, a hard shit indeed. Yeah. I, I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like Brad's the kind of guy who will always defend his dudes to the media. I think he, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would really chew them out, but I think he's probably got a very uh, stern side, probably to pull it lightly. I, I feel like, I think I've read a quote from someone somewhere and they said it, he was the type that if you just come in the room and didn't say anything, it was quiet. You had to be worried. Um, so more of the disappointed yeah. father treatment than the um, than the hairdryer, but um, <laughs> no, Brad Brad seems like a genuinely good guy, and I think he'll always stand up for his guys. Yeah, I, I think that uh, Nader uh, he had a good stretch in some games earlier in the week, and I saw around some of the game threads the the nickname the Terminator, 
being thrown <laughs> around. Um, the only thing he terminated was our chances of winning this game against the Pelicans, unfortunately. So maybe he holds that nickname for, for other reasons. Uh, on the plus side, though, Jason Tatum, 23 points. He did finish a minus 10, but he made more than 50% of his free throws. So, you know, maybe he's learned uh, something there from the loss against the Wizards and nine from 14 uh, from the field overall in just 27 minutes. So uh, I think it was Timmy. Um, shout out to Timmy who posted on the subreddit. You know, it was a disappointing loss in the end, but the fact that Tatum came away with that, that stat line, finally, you know, we've we've had some of our key starters out for a little while now. and to see Tatum maybe step up and be a little bit more aggressive and, and take 14 shots from the field was uh, was good to see, even though he got pummeled by Anthony Davis in the end. Does anyone com- feel if... Sorry, Joe, I'll just put this in quick. Does anyone feel if Jason was on like a lesser team, like an Atlanta Hawks or a Phoenix Suns, you would probably see those kind of numbers more often? I think so. Actually, sorry, this kind of follows on what I was going to say. I was kind of saying, like, we kind of have the experience of, like, this interlude where it's exactly like following a lottery team at the end of the season you know when when the Celtics suck and you're just like hoping that you know your young player puts up a good stat line that's kind of the situation that we're in until we get all our guys back we've kind of got this weird weird thing where we've got more in common with like the Phoenix Suns guys (laughs) Phoenix Suns fans than than like the Cavs fans you know yeah no I I agree we finally are in a situation where we can actually look at our rookie under a microscope without all the uh, the variables or like how would he be performing if it weren't for you know being around guys like Kyrie Irving and you know in some in some cases Al Horford not in this particular case Al Horford unfortunately finishing uh minus seven in plus minus six points four boards and three assists a pretty terrible game for Al Horford a lot of complaining going on in the game thread about that's not how you want to see complaining in the game thread yeah who would have thought <laughs> never <laughs> who would have thought um and yet, I don't know. If, I know this happens all the time, where you know there's, there's phrases like "average Al" and there's a lot of complaints around the fact that you know he is a max player and doesn't always perform like one. But I really think, just going slightly off topic in terms of this game, Al Horford has such an impact on our team, and it's not always quantifiable with your, your classic stats. But he's always making his hockey assists and always in the right place at the right time, and always affecting the team positively. Maybe not. So much the case in this game against the Pelicans, six points, four boards, and three assists, and the, the obvious and, and terrible loss. Um, but previously, he's he's um, held his ground against you know dominant big men like Porzingis and Anthony Davis and the like. So disappointing. Um, but those of you who are, are worried about Al Horford, we've talked about this in earlier episodes of our podcast. And Al Horford, between the All Star game and the playoffs, has typically not performed amazingly. And then he comes out during the playoffs and he's back to his usual self. So um, hold out hope for Horford. I certainly am. And I wouldn't be too worried. We've got that second seed locked down and he's just, uh, you know, keeping it under wraps until the playoffs, in my opinion. Pro- progression to the main? Sure. <laughs> you might have just coined that term for the, for the first time. Yeah. It's got to be, right? Like progress is the antonym of regress, right? So progression to the main must be... Must be a valid term to use. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Not well, a statistician. Well, it's, it's, I was going to say, it's something that they associate with all the top players in the league. Like LeBron James could be completely missing for, you know, 30 games. Game one of the, of the playoffs, he's going to turn it on. Now, Al Horford, LeBron James. Yeah, you don't need to tell me. This. No, no, I, I like where you're going with this. there. But um, <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, it happens to a lot of players. They, they lift their game when it matters. I mean, we're getting a really unique, lucky, weird situation where... 
we're probably going to get the second seed no matter what. No matter oh, how we're bad Finston. we are. Yeah. yeah, and we're not going to get the first. So essentially we can just do what we have to do, get get everyone right for that time, for when the time comes to play game one of the of the playoffs. And um, yeah, I'm confident Al Horford's going to get back to get back to what we we're used to seeing him produce when he's when he's at his best. Yeah, totally. So on that, we're, we're going to move on to some of the the news around the team over the past week or so. And he spoke about uh, leading up to the playoffs and and guys being injured and and being okay with that uh, in that lead up. Now, Marcus Smart, we know he had the surgery for the the thumb ligament tear or tendon tear or whatever it was. He had a bowling event in Boston last night, which is an interesting event to hold. I can only imagine his agent scheduled that for him prior to the the hand, the critical Boston. hand injury. Want to be Jesus? But and he was there, um, classic Marcus Smart, fighting through the injury and and going bowling. And uh, he was interviewed, which uh, of course the players are when they hold these events. And he basically and very confidently said that he will be back for the playoffs, despite the the surgery that he's had. So whether that means back for the beginning of the playoffs or back for a portion of the playoffs. Um, I'm unsure. What, what was your take on that, guys? I'm an injury optimist, but um, but I don't think he'll be back in the first round. I mean, it's pretty serious, man. Like if if my, if the tendon on my hand was operated on, I probably wouldn't be balling for for at least a month, you know. So, um, so I think smarts. I think smarts going to be back in the second round. That's what that's what I'm betting on. Yeah, yeah. You would have to assume second round. Absolutely. I think if you look at the time frame of the injury, it, it ends up being about the when that would be when the second round would be occurring there look the dude is tough as as tough as it gets so i think if there's any chance he can come back sooner um he'll definitely go through with it we don't want to do any long-term or he doesn't want to do any long-term damage to himself obviously but um look again the situation we find ourselves in if we can be without him for that amount of time i think it's worth the risk having him back for the second round of potentially the East finals and risk going without him for that first round then it would be to keep him playing there potentially doing some real damage and then hit this out completely for the rest of the season when you can, no matter how optimistic you want to be about us progressing in the finals or the, the playoffs, you can kiss that goodbye if Smart's not going to be there for any of it. It's just that simple. Do you guys know who Buck Shelford is? No. No. No, of course you don't because you're Australians, <laughs> Philistines. Please, enlighten us. <laughs> Buck, Shelf- Buck Shelford was the captain of the All Blacks in the late 80s. We won the World Cup with him. Anyway, they're playing against France one time, and, um, and, he, and he felt pretty sore after the game and uh, looked down his shorts, man. It turns out that the French had plumbing gouged his testes out of his scrotes, man. Man, like, these are New Zealanders in the uh, the testes injury. I was about to say that's <laughs> a it's a plot. But anyway, I say that to say Marcus Smart is like the Buck Shelford of the Celtics. I reckon Marcus Smart would would play on th- through a <laughs> Marcus Smart would play on if he had a had a ruptured scrotum. I'm sure he would do it. <laughs> this, yeah. this hand injury is nothing. Fresh take on Marcus from the uh, from the Kiwi perspective. I love it. That would be like the Jordan <laughs> flu game times a thousand. Even if you made it <laughs> yeah. Like oh, yeah. yeah, the flu slash uh, hangover game. Anyway, that's that's for a different podcast. Uh, shout out to the non-existent Bulls Reddit podcast. And another <laughs> one day. So Scott Souza, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He's a, a Celtics guy on Twitter, um, an official Celtics media person. He tweeted out, Marcus Smart noted he played with the tear for almost a whole half, initially thought it was a sprain, but realized it was worse when adrenaline subsided later that night. Got two opinions before being convinced, better to get surgery sooner rather than wait, try to play through. So we we talked about he'll probably be back for the second round. 
obviously Gordon Hayward uh, is an enigma and uh, the realist in all of us says that he's not coming back, but more on that a little bit later. And of course, Daniel Tice is out indefinitely, potentially coming back for the finals when we totally make it to the finals. But you you would have to hope and and think that we can get through the first round of the playoffs without a Marcus Smart and without a Daniel Tice. The rest of the guys, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, Kyrie Irving, you've got to be thinking that they'll make it back um, much sooner than the beginning of the playoffs. And while we won't have a, a full healthy complement, we're going to have a team that's, for the most part, been successful for us for the better part of the regular season. So I'm hopeful that we can get through that first round and, and still be there in the running when Marcus Smart and potentially Daniel Tice. And who knows, maybe Gordon Hayward would come back and help us get through those those final rounds. Yeah. I feel, I, I, I feel like one of the issues we might run into is like, when Marcus Smart gets back, you've got to remember he hit his last two shots. He's going to think he's still hot when he gets back in. He's going, <laughs> yeah. ch- he's going to be chucking, man, from minute one. I don't think that Marcus <laughs> Smart has ever not thought that he was hot, even after missing you know, consecutive shots in the double digits. Um, it's you know, one of the reasons we love him and also you know, maybe occasionally hate him here. But uh, maybe, that's all right. Maybe, maybe it was just a wayward um, uh, ligament in the hand that was just... Uh, just yeah, had him off the whole time. Like maybe that was back. hijacking his arm and making him shoot him more. Maybe the surgery is going to um, correct that, and we'll see. Um, we'll see a more consistent stroke from. Uh, Whoa, from Smat. Yeah. Maybe he uses too much thumb in his shot. The theory. And 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 spraining it means he had to rely on the flick of his wrist. There's going to be less thumb. Seri- this is serious theory. <laughs> that could be right because I mean, he was lights out <laughs> after the thumb thing. You could be onto something here, Jackson. You could be onto something. Moving on. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. <laughs> Hayward's progress. You know, we all we've we've seen the the setback talk from Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge that he was doing well and that he wasn't doing so well. And recanting of the setback talk. Yeah, it's it's an emotional roller coaster. We're all on on it together. We can all hold hands as we plummet down into the lows and, and get sprung back up into the highs. And speaking of the highs, there was a clip on Hayward's progress. You know, he's suffered an ankle injury, which would affect one's calf muscle. And he's just put this video out onto the internet of him just absolutely smashing the calf raise, which it's not him jumping on a basketball court, but it's a good sign. And it's put me back in good stead in terms of being hopeful of of his return sometime this postseason. Uh, Joe, what are your thoughts? Very well-defined calves, weren't they? You know? Yeah, dude. That, I mean, that was Big that was the hot topic on the uh, on the thread for the, for that post. Is that you know the, it was jacked in the in the calf re- region? You would hope so if you're a professional athlete that you, your calves are, are in many regions. Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was pretty impressive, wasn't it? I don't think it was as impressive as his um, long distance no scope Fortnite kill that we we saw earlier today. That was something real, real special. But. It was, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, he's got uh, three days by my count to, uh, to make it back. So um, hopefully he's, uh, he, he's been smashing those, um, smashing those lifts and uh, yeah, sticking to the schedule, obviously. Four days, dude. Four days. It's still the 19th stateside. So we've got Forgive four me. days. Me. Oh, yeah. Is, is he coming? Is, so is he going to come back 23rd US time or 23rd? I suppose 23rd US time. Buy him the most. Yeah, 23rd I guess US it time. gives him a 48 hour window, um, which is nice. So a little bit of a <laughs> if push he, if, he needs it, if he decides, eh, you know, it's not quite right. We'll give it a one more. <laughs> Suits me. Uh, in other news, former Celtic and uh, recruiter of one Gordon Hayward, Isaiah Thomas, had a bit of a Q&A on his Twitter account recently 
Someone asked him, do you think that it's possible? I'm not getting this verbatim, but basically, do you think that it's possible that one day you could rejoin the Celtics? And in classic Celtic nomenclature, he responded, anything is possible, which sent uh, Celtics fans and you know, NBA fans alike into a bit of a, a, bit of a tailspin. Guys, what, what are your thoughts on Isaiah Thomas's claims that he could potentially join the Celtics again in the future? As much as I don't want to... Um tarnish the memory of uh, of isaiah thomas uh, i think he's probably just keeping as many options open as he possibly can in order to get some sort of payday because i mean as as much as i think teams could definitely find a space on their roster for him you know if he ever does get back to health if he's if he's half of the player that he was first last year he would still be valuable to any team there but i think the reality is he's looking at a, he's looking at a reality where the lakers probably aren't going to take him back you don't know if there's going to be any top teams out there that will exactly take him. I think the link to Boston is obvious. The, the bromance is still there. Boston still loves him. He, I think, in his heart of hearts, still loves Boston very much. The story would be unreal. Do we need him? Would we take him back if it meant hindering the, pro- the progress of parts of our bench or other players? I don't think so. It's a fun story, but, I mean, anything is possible. He did say that. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think our offense is designed we've got those sort of top of the key handoffs, um, the action that's created around Al Horford or our starting center. DHO. Sorry? DHO. DHO, what's that? Dribble handoff. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, I wasn't uh, aware of the acronym. But uh, yeah, let's call it the DHO. Uh, Al Horford at the top of the key, the high uh, screen where you know our point guard runs off him, grabs the ball, and the the play sort of develops from there in terms of how the defense is rotated and, and who's open. That was designed really well for a guy like Isaiah Thomas who wouldn't be hindered off of that sort of action based on his height. Um, we've seen guys like Kyrie Irving at some points while he's been starting. Terry Rogier do really well off that design. But that's designed around the role of the starting point guard. And if you bring Isaiah Thomas back into our team, he's not going to get the starting point guard spot off Kyrie Irving. You know, he's... He's, he's been a great guy for our team uh, over the past couple of years and some legendary performances, but you, you put him next to a guy like Kyrie Irving and he just doesn't stand up, quite literally at times, sorry to say it. Um, so, you know, th- therefore he's going to come off the bench and what, he's going to play the Marcus role, which is completely different from Kyrie's role. He's going to play the Rogier role, which is also different in its own right. Um, I just don't see him filling any of those roles. So even at a six-man capacity, which could be a huge blow to his fairly large ego uh i just don't see him filling any sort of role here which if i could go back in time and and say this to myself a year or two ago i would punch my present day self in the face probably it's it's blasphemous you know from a celtics fan perspective a year or so ago but um unfortunately it's the it's the truth a couple of thoughts about as i told you guys mind if i flesh these out let's let's break it down let's go the deep dive all right okay First up, first of all, uh, I mean, and just actually, just as a as a like, little like, just to get it out of the way, I, I I can't see us having four point guards on the roster, of which you know Isaiah is the fourth in the rotation. I can't really see it happening, but you know, so if we bring back Smart, then that's the situation we'll be in. But anyway, what what I was sort of kind of wanted to say is like, there's a kind of tragedy to Isaiah Thomas, right? Like, yes, it's like he's always it's. And he's and the reason why he's in this position in a lot of ways is because he's outperformed his role. Like he's really a six man, you know, and and as a result of him outperforming his six man kind of role, 
and becoming a 29-point-per-game sort of scorer, it means that his expectations of what of the role that he deserves, right, gets blown out beyond what actually works really for any contending team. And 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 that's kind of the tragedy, right, is like he's so good that he's become worth less. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Because, because you can't have Isaiah Thomas on your team if you're expecting to – Truthfully, and and I know this sounds blasphemous to start, but you're never going to be content if Isaiah Thomas is starting on your team. You just like you can't have that much of a of a, of a deficiency at the point guard spot defensively, right? Yeah, and, and it still feels terrible to say that, you know, almost a year out. But I uh, I think you're absolutely right. Sorry, go on. No, I mean it was. I mean that, that's sort of that sort of thought one, I guess, of Isaiah Thomas because like, yeah, he. I just think imagine an alternate universe, right, in which he was just an awesome six man and stayed scoring 20 points a game for the Celtics. Like, he probably wouldn't have got traded because he'd be making $6 million a year, he'd be a bench guy, and he might be looking for a $10 million a year payday. You know what I mean? But he got traded because he outperformed his role and then was looking for $100 million. You know? It's kind of sad how his success is kind of bred his failure. Um but yeah, um, I have another thought about him. But like Jackson, man, if you if you have any uh, have any thoughts on that? No, they're all. They're, uh, I was gonna say they're all true words, man. But I think um, I think if he just filled his sixth man role quite well, like let's just say what best case scenario, he's in the shout for you know sixth man of the year. Um, I, I don't think there would be such a romance, or there would be such a uh, yeah. a good story around it. You know, the reason he, the reason he was such you know a mega star and such an anomaly. It was because you know he was he was five nine and he was going all these points and he was you know he was never quite in the running for the MVP but he was up there. He, you had to make a list of the top five. He's absolutely in that list for that year. And and Boston loved him. And I think everything he went through, you know, from the the injuries that he picked up, the the, the thing with his sister dying and then playing a few days later, like I mean, you, you just you couldn't write the things that happened to him that he came through with. So I think that. That's the story, and that's the that's what everyone remembers Isaiah wow. for, yeah. and that's all thanks to his heroic performances. So, take away that aspect, not to say that the Boston fans wouldn't love him. I think probably there's so it'd many be different topics. though. It would be different. Yeah, yeah. you are right. You are right. It, it, he's, he's, this situation that he finds himself in has come from him outperforming, you know, what he should be doing. But I think. He, he's probably going to be remembered. I hope if he's remembered, it'll be for that one season where he just he just out, he just shot the lights out, and not mm. for this demise that he's in now. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes, but that yeah. might end up being how his entire career is remembered. Um, but I, I do hope that he can pick it back up with whoever he signs with in the off season. I think the one thing, just quickly, that he does have over other Celtics legends, if you want to put him in that pool, is that the, you know you think about Celtics legends, and it's these extended careers that often go into the, the tens of years uh, with the team where they have, you know, a decade or so's worth of, of dominance with the franchise. And I feel like Isaiah Thomas is the only person who has gained that somewhat legendary status in somewhat of a, of a microcosm. So really, it was that one special year, maybe add on a little bit of the year before it, where he started to elevate his stats a little bit, where he, he really... Uh, entrenched himself in, in Celtics history somewhat, whereas normally for other, like I said, Celtics legends, it's taken them quite a lot longer to do that. So I think that's the one thing that he that he sort of can hold over some of those Celtics legends himself, which is cool I, to see. I, this, kind of, well, this kind of wanders into another one of my other Isaiah Thomas 
and fan theories. So I have this theory that like the fan experience is all about the delta of your team, right? Like when your team is improving, it's better than being good. So it's more fun to be a fan of, say, uh, the Utah Jazz right now than it would be to be a fan of the Golden State Warriors. Because, totally. you know, the one team's on the rise and the Golden State Warriors are kind of there, right? Yeah. So part of the reason why Isaiah Thomas maybe, like, would hold such a, like, a, have a hold in, our, in, in, in the imagination, aside from, like, one pretty amazing season, is, like, he was kind of present when the delta was so sharp and the optimism around the team couldn't be higher, right? Because we're improving. We've got a million draft picks coming through. And he's just kind of like, he's kind of a symbol for it. He's kind of an avatar for like the most optimistic, one of the most optimistic times to be a Celtics fan. And I just think it's kind of interesting that he's sort of going through the same thing with the Lakers right now, right? Like it's got to be a pretty optimistic time to be a Lakers fan right now. Like they've made a massive charge towards 500 and Thomas doesn't have huge amount to do with it. But I just think it's an interesting parallel, like a little parallel story, like to, to, similar to where we were in, in, in 2015. I've definitely watched more Lakers games since he's joined them mm, than I ever too. have before. And, you know, he has had some unfortunate plays, like he bricked that game-winning, uh, potential yeah. game-winning shot the other day. I think it was, it was against the Heat. Um, but I feel like there have been other occasions where they've brought him in to play his role, which is a zero defender plus scorer. Um, and, and he's filled that role for them. They've come away with some good wins. They had a great win against Denver recently where he had that pretty savage crossover against Nikola Jokic uh, for like, to sort of ice the game there. Um, and it's good to see him sort of um, coming back into his stride there and getting some of those sort of classic Isaiah Thomas defying the odds. How can you do that? You're only five foot three or whatever it is. Um, obviously, he's taller than that, but he's, he's pretty damn short. Um, so it's, it's been good to see the, the Lakers and Luke Walton's a pretty good coach feels weird to say good and Lakers in, in a sentence on a Celtics podcast. Anyway, it's, good. it's been good to see him utilized in that way on a, on a team and to see them hit their stride a little bit since he's joined them. I was just going to finish on the Isaiah thing. I think in hindsight, probably the worst team he probably could have gone to would have been the Cleveland Cavaliers because mm. they, they it's clockwork. You know, They'll have a breakdown every two or three yeah. months and something goes wrong. And whenever LeBron is around, you know, there's always going to be fingers pointing. And there's always going to be eyes on them. And I think given his form, given his injury, given the, the Kyrie thing and everything that kind of went into it, I think he just became the fall guy. Now, I think if he got traded to another team, obviously the Kyrie thing doesn't happen. Just We could just put, if just say we, we traded him for some other superstar on another team, I don't think he would have been traded out. I think they would have stuck with him, even if his form was back. Because he's looked much better on the Lakers yeah. than he has at the Cavs. And I think, you know, you could put a lot of that down to the injury recovery. I think you could put a lot of that down to just the fact he wasn't in this pressure environment with LeBron, with a contender, with the whole trade backstory. I think it would have worked out a lot better for him if he went to a, probably straight to the Lakers, obviously, rather than yeah. the Cavs. But I think the Cavs in hindsight was, yeah, just disastrous for him. Even like, like imagine Thomas on the Spurs, you know, like, you know, yeah, you're so it would right. Work like, somehow, you wouldn't it? Yeah. Any, any alternate reality is better than the, the actual reality of him being on the Cavs. Great, great take, Jackson. Oh, thank you. <laughs> great uh, spicy Isaiah Thomas takes all around, guys. Uh, and, you know, that, that's what you get from us here at the uh, Celtics Reddit podcast, just the, uh, the best and uh, most professional insights from, uh, from around the, uh, the circuit. <laughs> guys, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be back in a moment with some opponent watch. 
All right, we're back from our break. We've, uh, we've been in the huddle and we're going to run an ATO, a classic Stevens ATO, and throw it to Jackson for another wonderful segment of Opponent Watch. What's going on, Jackson? Opponent Watch. All right, so... <laughs> Been working on that. Practice for hours. <laughs> um, I guess the uh, the appropriate opponent to start with is the Raptors, considering they are five games above us. Although it's probably getting to the point now where they're obviously going to be our opponents, but um, they've probably got that first seed sewn up. So they're not in our immediate thoughts in terms of the playoff picture goes. But um, they had uh, a decent week since we last saw us. They beat the Pacers. Beat the Ra- beat the Mavericks rather at home in uh, in OT uh, encounter, which I think I wasn't watching that game, but I checked the score and I think the Mavericks were up like six in overtime, and I thought, oh come on, come on, get it done. But um, they came storming back and um, put them away, as you would expect a, a, t- a first seed probably should. Yeah. And then they had their first loss, I think, in ten games. They went down to the uh, to the Thunder there, and um, look. When Westbrook decides he's having a game like that, there's very, very little teams in the NBA that can um, that can stop him there. So um, obviously, it's nice to see the Raptors lose. Um, not that we could really make up much ground on them there, but um, they are still very much out in front in the first seed. Um, dropping below that to the third, the Cavs. Now, there's been a bit of a story breaking around Ty Lue when he's had to step away from the coaching position um, due to an illness. His um, statement is up all over the internet, and you can read it there. Um, Sounds like, sounds like something you probably relate to, given all the scrutiny that's been leveled at the Cavs, everything that's been going on, the season that they've had, it's been quite tumultuous. So if he's got some sort of um, uh, internal health issue, it could not have been helped by all the stress and all the media and all the, the, just the shit, really, that would come with being an NBA coach and in the position that they are. So, you know, we obviously don't want to see that any ill will to any player or coach, so all the... Good thoughts with Ty Lue there. They yeah. did get Kevin Love back today, and uh, they got a win over the um, the Bucks. I think, in my opinion, we'll probably start seeing the Bucks. Not the Bucks. We'll probably start seeing the Cavs getting into the kind of gear that we'll be seeing them in. That we can expect them in for the playoffs here. Obviously, they could go another three game losing streak, and it's all going to be chaos all over again. But um, I think we'll probably start to see a more consistent. Um, uh, shape of that team and uh just a quick shout out to probably a potential first round opponent in the miami heat they had an absolute barn burner of a game against the uh nuggets today and i want to just kelly out to our man kelly olenic mr game seven um 30 <laughs> points eight rebounds five assists four blocks for miami today was in double overtime so uh a few more of those, a few more of those numbers came in at a time, but um, yeah, big shout out to Kelly Olynyk there. Hopefully, if we do get the heat, we can uh, put them away before Game Seven because I don't want to risk that um, that hurricane coming for us. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, a com- yeah. <laughs> comment on the the thread. Someone posted, who was it? HD throw away uh, posted on the Celtic subreddit about Kelly Olynyk's stat line, and rightly so. One of the top comments. From politics is Shields. The only player I know who could get 0% of 50-50 balls. Uh, which, you know, we've, we've been following the Celtics for a while. That is that is absolutely true. Nice little insight there. <laughs> but he got it done today. Uh, and he got it done against us. When we, I think we first played the Heat in his first game back against Boston, which was uh, hilarious in hindsight. But uh, it's good to see him get those numbers. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I've I've had a bit of a glance. I've been, done a little bit of a ricky uh, for this segment, and um, and and well, you guys might be interested to know that uh, five thirty eight. If you guys are familiar with the five thirty eight site, yeah, they have this projection machine they call Carmelo, um, 
And uh, they're actually predicting that uh, the order of finish will be uh, Philly, then the Cavs, then the Wizards, then Indy. Um, and I have a slightly less sophisticated projection machine. What can we give it a name? What's something with Joe like? Like Joe Stradamus? Is that a, is that a, do you think that would I was going to try and shoehorn New Zealand or Kiwi in there somehow, but Joe Stradamus Joe sounds Stradamus good to me. Good. Joe, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the Joe Stradamus system basically breaks down all remaining games into three categories, right? Like we've got our cupcakes, we've got our toss ups, and we've got our losses. And the basic theory is that you should win all the cupcake games. And you should lose all your losses, but for every one of the cupcake games that you actually lose, you'll probably pick up a win where you should have got a loss, right? And you'll win half of the toss-up games. So using that methodology, advanced methodology, all right, um, we've got the Cavs. They've got um, quite a balanced schedule remaining. They've got six cupcakes, three toss-ups, and uh, two likely losses. I think they got the Raptors twice, um, and uh, and so I, at forty-one wins currently, that that leaves them with uh, another seven and a half wins. So I reckon they'll wind up around forty-eight and a half. Indy slightly tough schedule, only three cupcakes and five toss-ups, right? Which gives them another five and a half wins, uh, which takes them to forty-six and a half. So they might finish forty-seven. Philly, on the other hand. Like, you might have heard reference in the media to Philly's schedule. Philly have nine cupcakes and Ooh. four toss-ups, all right? So that gives them another 11 wins. So, like, I reckon Philly's going to get 50. The Philly's bakery. a chance to get the 50 wins. The bakery schedule. <laughs> Sorry? The bakery schedule. I think the bakery schedule. That's ex- that as, uh... <laughs> I, I got to say, Joe, like, if you keep dropping this, this level of uh, analytics on the podcast, you're going to get a call from uh, the 538 guys. To run uh, some of their, their statistics, I think. That just or, or, or maybe, you know how like, you, when you watch the Celtics like game feed and they have like, the advanced analytics segment of the game? And yeah, it's, it's like, like some guy Terry Rozier scores <laughs> 50.8 points every time he wears a headband over his left <laughs> ear or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll get that gig. Um, anyway, Washington's got a balanced one. They've got six cupcakes and five toss-ups and no real obvious wins or losses. So another eight and a half wins for them puts them about 48 and a half. So in conclusion, I agree with <laughs> Carmelo, um, which I, I think uh, I think it'll be Philly, toss-up between Cavs and Washington to who finishes first, and then, um, and then Indy. So what that means for us is that we're probably going to get Philly in the second round if that's, if that's how it plays out. And Kelly Olynyk in the first round. What's that? Sorry. And Kelly Olynyk in the first round. And Kelly Olynyk in the scary. first round. That's right. So that's, it's that's not an easy playoff picture now, is it? <laughs> no, that's no, no, none of them really are. Right? Like, the, the, there's there's sixteen good teams in the NBA this year, right? So there's eight pretty good teams in the East. So there's there's no real real walkovers, eh? Even the Pacers, right? Like the Pacers have paid us tough. Every single game, even when we were healthy, mm. I feel like the pay. I feel like if the Sixers and the Pacers had to meet in the first round, I would still fancy probably the Pacers to get past them. But probably to the points that I think I made last week or the week before when we were talking about playoff opponents, I still think as good as the Sixers can be, and as good as Ben Simmons has been lately on an absolute tear. Australian zone, Ben Simmons. Thank you very much. Also, <laughs> grew up in Newcastle for a little bit. I'm sure I've mentioned that a hundred times before. But anyway, um, mention it again. I think um, I think as good as they are, as good as they can be, I still have doubts about them in a playoff scenario. I mean, obviously, I think they could get past 
they could get past any team that they get put up against, barring probably the Cavs, and I will throw the Celtics in there and the Raptors. Um, but um, no, I think the experience will probably come back to hurt them there. But I mean, if they could get the third seed, that would be that'd be enormous for them, considering the doldrums that they've been in for what seems like a million years now. Yeah. Yeah, look, if it, if it looks like we can get Marcus Smart and potentially Daniel Tice back, basically everyone except for... Uh, except for Gordon Hayward back for the second round. Uh, I'm pretty confident that one Kyrie Irving can win us a playoff series in the first round. Uh, we've been unfortunate enough to face him as part of the Cavaliers in the first round uh, a couple of times, uh, or in general rounds of the playoffs a few times over the past few years. And he definitely takes it up to another level in the playoffs. Um, and I do think that if we come up against the likes of the Bucks or the Heat or even the Pacers in the first round, Kyrie Irving alone as part of the... Brad Stevens' systemless, positionless system can can get it done for us in in one round of uh, of playoff basketball. So we're yet to see that as Celtics fans. That's a treat that is on the horizon for us, and it's something that we can all be looking forward to. I think it's important to add a positive spin to all of this. We talk about a lot of the injuries and a lot of the ifs and buts about our future as a as a franchise. Sorry, not as a franchise, but in our immediate future in terms of winning a championship. Uh, and we we have that coming to us. Kyrie Irving is going yeah. to ball out in the playoffs. That's playoffs. That's Kyrie is probably mm. the thing I'm looking forward to most in my life in the in the immediate future. Absolutely. Yeah. And like Celtics playoffs, Kyrie, where like maybe he sees like a, a mural of uh, Red Auerbach in the locker room uh, on his way out and, and takes on some extra championship style inspiration that he maybe didn't have uh, on the Cavaliers. Uh, I'm excited to see that. So uh, let's let's see how that goes. Mark Smart's going to be back. He's going to have removed that pesky tendon that was affecting his shooting. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, he's going to be shooting 60% from beyond the arc. Just you wait. <laughs> yeah. It's the best take to come out of this podcast so far, the, the, the smarter thumb Ewing theory. Uh, yeah. <laughs> moving on. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! The Lakers are technically lottery-bound. Jackson, we've, we've included this in our opponent watch segment, and that is because the odds are slim, but the odds are there that somehow, maybe we're grasping for optimism too too greatly here, but there's a small chance that the Lakers not making the playoffs, and it really looks like they won't, that uh, probably less than a 1% chance that that could fall into the 2 to 5 range and uh, and get us um, the uh, the guy who uh, who follows up from Al Horford. So, like, just picture yourselves, right, like it's draft lottery night, okay? And the Lakers are pretty fenced into whatever their um, lottery seating is right now, right? They're miles away from the playoffs and they're um, miles away from the tanking teams. So I forget where there is, but, like, maybe the Hornets are around them. But basically they're going to have, like, the second or third worst odds. I'd have to check. Yeah. Anyway, imagine, imagine this. We're watching the lottery unfold. Which, by the way, is great fun. At least we get to watch the lottery with something in it. That's way better than not. <laughs> the lottery's yeah. great. Okay, so the envelope that comes up that's supposed to be the Lakers, all right? It's not there, all right? Imagine the anxiety, because now we have two things. It means that they've skipped into the... Is the are the rules still that it's top three? That the lottery's top three, or has it gone to top four this year? Uh, I think that's not till next year. Right, so it should be still top three, right? So it means that the Lakers one more pick year has gone the, to the, the top Wild three. West, so to speak. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That, so, okay. So now you're a, you're a Celtics fan there. That means that either the Sixers have the number one pick, which is boo, 
Well, the Celtics have the pick number two or three. Can you imagine the anxiety? That that night is getting, that would be the craziest moment as a Celtics fan. And kind of like the Tatum trade is going to, uh, like the outcome's going to be really affected by it. Yeah, I mean, even if it comes to us getting the Kings pick next year, which is looking really good, by the way. I, yeah. Either way, I think that, that Tatum trade is, is going to look amazing in hindsight if it doesn't already. The, the fact that it, even though it's slim, we've, we've mentioned already in this segment that it's, it's a slim chance that we'll get anything out of it this year. But you know, sooner or later, whether it's this year or next year, we're, we're going to get a decent pick as a result of that trade. Um, and yes, I can imagine that anxiety from a Lakers fan perspective. I thrive off of of my imagining of that anxiety. It's what keeps me going every day. I, I hope that something happens out of that. Given Danny Ainge's adeptness at uh, 3D chess or whatever uh, dimension of board game you want to refer to it as, do you think that they've probably come to accept in the last few months that they're not going to get that pick and they're planning for next season without that pick in there? So if it does all of a sudden fall to them, do you think they try and get one of the players who are in there now or do you think they trade it to try and go for a free agent that maybe they've been thinking about? Recently, good question. Well, not I a think, free agent, it was just I, trade rather. Sorry, I think they'd be loath to trade a a rookie deal just because it's you know like mm. just because of where it is, um, just because you've got control over the salary. But I do wonder though whether they might prefer to have the Kings pick because because it gives them salary cap space this year. You know, it, if it's a year that prevents them from going to the, into the repeat attacks, right? That's good. That's one year later that the clock starts ticking on their repeat attacks. Yeah. So, um, and, and they'll be under more pressure if they pick up like a, like an $8 million deal, right? Cause that's your third pick. That's, that's 8 million bucks. That's what Tatum's got. Something like that. Right. Um, so yeah. So, so I wonder from, from our perspective, we would prefer it to roll forward next year. At the same time, I think if you're a Sixers fan, I think you would prefer it to probably convey this year. I think, like I don't know who's in the in the 2019 draft, but I don't know that it's as strong as the 2018. So from their perspective, the, the deal might look a little better. Um, how nuts, by the way, would it be if the Lakers got the number two pick? Because I'm pretty sure they would have had the number two pick like five years in a row. Would be like because you go back to uh, Gengelo Russell, right, in 2015, yeah, they had the number two pick, two, yeah, and then uh, 16, they had um, Ingram. Ingram, and then. Lonzo, and then if the number two pick if it was the number two and then conveyed to us, that'd be four years in a row. It'd be insane. There's a meme in there which is the big number two every time Lakers lose or something. Just <laughs> straight up there. I can, oh, I can see it now. It would be something out of this world, definitely, and I, I would enjoy it uh, greatly. But um, yeah, there is a chance. There is a chance, but uh, I think everyone's moving on from it, sadly. It's going to be interesting to see what happens on draft lottery night, despite what happens in the postseason for us we, we can hold out some hope there so always an optimistic fan base always an optimistic group of us here at the celtics reddit podcast we've got to move on we want to discuss some of the top posts from around the subreddit over the past week now something that's just come out in the last 24 hours definitely not the top post over the last week but something that piqued my interest is gordon hayward playing a game Fortnite, which i haven't played i've played similar games like uh player unknown battlegrounds and and the likes but Basically, if you watch this clip that was posted by some streamer, I'm sorry, I don't have the streamer's name. Uh, it's he's following Gordon Hayward, so I guess he's he's already died and he's following uh, G Time. 
He's following G time as he roams the map and all of a sudden spots this dude from so far away and just yells out, see a dude, and just like just absolutely takes him down from super far away and everyone on the stream is just like losing their mind. And everyone on our subreddit appropriately lost their mind as well. Did you guys see this clip online? I did, and as a um as a fellow Fortnite player, um, you know, he recognizes quality when he sees it. That was a that was an epic take. I'm now it's, it's now my, my goal in life to absolutely get Gordon Haywood in my squad. Oh, um, when we're done here, I'm gonna be playing it all night and trying Please to Please call me to... if that happens. Oh I will, oh I will, and I'll get I'll get some dirt for you, don't you worry. As soon as he knows we're from the uh the Reddit Celtics podcast, he'll, he'll know who we are. I'm sure. sure. <laughs> I'm not I'm not a gamer, eh? So um so, but whenever I play computer games, honestly, like I, it's like watching, it's honestly, it's like watching someone with hooves try and play video games. I'm so bad at them. So it's pretty impressive that he's ever able to shoot anyone. He looks like a beast. He looks like a beast at his, uh, at his gaming. Yeah. And it's good to see him sort of exercising his long, long range skills off the court. Hopefully uh, keeping all of that alive for when he, when he finally does join us uh, in, what's the date now? It's the 20th of March, so in like three days. It's good to see him uh, keeping hot from uh, beyond the arc. How much of a freak is Gordon Hayward? Like, let's just think about this for a second, right? Like, he's like a physics major at college, right? Yeah. He's like a world-class gamer. He's like like a collegiate-level tennis player. And he also just happens to be an all-NBA player. Like, he's ridiculously accomplished. Yeah, the dude is killing it on, on all levels. And he's uh, going to have an NBA ring next year, boy. Oh, yeah. 2019. <laughs> yes. And he'll be back in three days. It's the 20th now, uh, at least Australian uh, slash New Zealand time. So uh, three, you know, four days from now, he'll be back. So uh, I, I don't know. No doubts in my mind. None at all. None at all. I, I remain a Hayward optimist. He will definitely be back. Moving on. Yabu. Gershon Yabuselli got his first start against the Wizards the other day in that, in that, uh, that battle. And uh, he, he did fairly well. I mean, he didn't rack it up in any particular stat uh, category, but it was Timmy, shout out to Timmy again, who uh, posted a tweet. In his first career start, Gershon Yabuselli got four points, three boards, and five assists, including one Eurostep layup, uh, which bamboozled Mike Gorman, by the way. He was, <laughs> his uh, reaction to that live on the broadcast was amazing. As he brought tons of energy for the Celtics, he was plus two in 18 minutes of play in the highlights, um, courtesy of Timmy there. So uh, that was really good to see. I mean, I think all Celtics fans have been waiting for, you know, a, a big dose, the full load, if you will, of uh, some Yabu action all year, and uh, we finally got it, and unfortunately a loss. Did you guys see that? <laughs> I saw the Euro step. I was just wondering, like, if we can... Um, it could be kind of fun... Do do we want to do like a little amateur theater? And you know, um, Bill Gordon's helpfully posted the transcript of uh, Mike and Tommy's exchange after the Euro step um, up at the top of that thread. Does anybody want to be Tommy and anyone want to be Mike? Hasn't <laughs> we got a Tommy impersonation? Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> Put me on the spot. I'll probably butcher we it. I'll probably have it. A, a lot of a lot of uh, Bostonians having to go at me. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give uh, I'll give Tommy a go if someone can do Mike. Okay, I'll 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 give I'll give Mike a go. Excellent, excellent. All right. <laughs> so 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 we can, we can I enjoyed this. this. Sorry. I just, okay. And Yabasali to the basket with the finger roll. Whoa! And a Euro strap. That's because he's from Europe. 
<laughs> That's right. All the steps are your steps. That's an Focus. excellent Tommy. That's an excellent Tommy, Ben. I can't believe you were so coy. I'm uh, not practiced at all. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Years, years of watching the seas. So uh, hopefully it lives up to people's expectations or lack thereof. Anyway, look, I don't think we should uh, we should take it beyond that. I think we've hit the high point on the uh, on the Yabu's uh, first start. Hopefully, it's the first of many. Now, in the past week, we've seen a Daniel Tice appreciation thread, which I was surprised to see was not posted by Bongos. But again, shout out again. It's the third one this episode. Shout out to Timmy. Posts the Daniel Tice appreciation thread. Uh, it may be end of days as far as Daniel Tice is concerned uh, for the remainder of the season. Uh, and I won't read through the entire post. It's up there on the subreddit. It's got many upvotes. So if you sort by top post of the last week, which I do every Tuesday before recording this podcast, then you'll find it there. And he's posted some offensive highlights, some defensive highlights, and a bonus, some of the best passes of the year. And of course, the first and highest upvoted comment on the thread is Fongos. Just simply, thank you for this one, Timmy. And Timmy replies, you always have my back, Fongos. Nice little bit of love there in the uh, the Celtics community, which is good to see, considering all the hate we get from uh from the haters in RNBA. So um, nice to see that it's all love uh, within our community, at least. We have a great tendency to um have some cult heroes in our team. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd say I'd say Gershon Yabuselli is definitely uh, attaining cult status and has been since he he joined our team. But um, I feel like Daniel Tice is the um is the reigning champion when it comes to um. Uh, cult like status amongst our current players and um yeah it's good to see fongos is still um keep staying positive you know because that would have um that would have been a devastating blow when he was out for the season yeah. i think abdul nader needs a champion i feel like all the end of the bench guys have their have their champions you know but Abd- abdul nader is just unloved this poor end of the second round draft pick who gets no love from anyone while tice and yabu hog the glory that's uh that's a tall order I, uh, I'm sure there's someone out there um, who is maybe sadistic enough to, to find <laughs> and apply some love to uh, the Terminator. But uh, after those uh, was it four missed free throws the other night uh, against the Pelicans, uh, good luck to whoever wants to take on that role. I'm sure there's someone out there, like you said, but uh, it's, it's not me. It's not yeah, me. Fair enough. <laughs> maybe it's you, Jackson. I'll um I'll, I'll buy a Nader jersey before the season's out if he um <laughs> if he can hit a game winner. I think they're giving them Throwing away. It down. Throwing if it you down. look on the Celtics uh website, I think they're <laughs> uh, there for free, postage included. Oh, uh, poor Abdul. Now quickly, and this is a a worthy uh, article here by uh, Forsberg. Uh, the league is starting to take notice of Boston's scary Terry. Uh, before we dive into the article, I, I bought off. Um, I think there's like an associate of of. Terry Rogier, who has an Instagram page and he's selling t-shirts and it's, it just says Scary Terry and it's the Scream mask on top of a Celtics player wearing uh, number 12. I think they're like 40 bucks US online. Highly recommend picking one up. I'm wearing, wearing one around Sydney at the moment. Most people, not Celtics fans, don't know what the hell it is, but um, I'm a proud wearer of the Scary Terry uh, shirt. What do you guys think? Um, do you uh, praise here for, uh, for Terry Rogier? I'm really I love how um, Rosie is just embracing, um, embracing his his spot in popular yeah, culture. It's good brand. And like in, I'm assuming everyone's here seen the um, seen the Ice Cube video with uh, Terry Rosier's face plastered <laughs> over the top. Yeah, he posted <laughs> Messed it around, himself. got a triple double. Freaking fantastic! <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, he's um, it, it kind of. 
got mixed feelings about it, obviously, because you, you do want him to sort of remain under the radar somewhat because if he does start to ball out True. And, then, and the league True. does take notice, it's going to be expensive to keep a hold of um, of Terry Three Sticks. But look, you can't begrudge him the attention that he's getting. His, his play has been outstanding and his just improvement since he came on board with us has been, has just been out of this world. So really, he deserves all the praise that he gets, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. He's consistent. He's Mr. Consistency right now. That's... Uh... You know what you're getting from Rosier right now. It's great. We talked about in the last episode, maybe the episode before, about how he's had that double-digit scoring streak, mm. uh, and for the most part, off the bench up until recently, since the 31st of January, and he's kept that alive. So that's uh, pretty impressive. And I think a lot of teams, you know, we played the Magic the other day, for example, would probably be happy to have Terry Rozier as their starting full-time point guard. Big and time. yeah. You know, with with a healthy team, he's like our third string guy. And then we've got Shane Larkin as our fourth string point guard who could easily play, you know, the the second string backup for a lot of teams. Uh, We're really spoiled for choice uh, in terms of our point guards. So it's it's really good to see. And I'm really looking forward to having everyone healthy back. Uh, And especially Terry Rogier, who's just been killing it. So uh, a worthy article there. Uh, It's one of the top posts on the sub over the past week. So uh, definitely check it out and check out the comment threads as well. There's some, some good takes there by some of our Celtics fans. I think just a quick quick thing on, on Rozier, like, you know you're kind of starting to get good when you're, like, or you you can be counted on when you don't have many, like, one for 12 games. Or, like, you know, like, Rozier, okay, if he has a bad game, he goes six for 16 or eight for 21 or something like that. But but six for 16 or eight for 21 is still valuable offense. It's still There'll still be some timely contributions in there. It's not a complete no-show of a game. And, like, he's always doing something. There's always some contribution, even if, you know, it could be a little more efficient. Yeah, he's, he's rebounding is always really good, you know, mm. particularly given his size. He just seems to always be... And this triggers me as a, as a fan, especially in the last year or so with all the injuries. Like, he just really just leaps in there into the paint there, right? in, in traffic. And could so easily come down and, and suffer... A, an injury that we're all too familiar with, um, and yet he always just comes up with the ball, and um, it's just good to see that. Aside from his scoring, which he's really excelling in at the moment, he's he's sort of excelling in all of these other areas as well. So uh, he's definitely a a great spark off the bench for our team, and and hopefully he doesn't play. I don't know how to finish this thought. Like I obviously, if he plays too well, he's going to get a really good offer as soon as his contract runs up, and that's bad for us. We want to keep him around. But obviously, him playing well might be the difference between us not winning or winning a championship. So it's, I would, it's a tough one. I would, I would take an absolute, just phenomenal, out of nowhere tear from Terry Rozier that takes us all the way to the finals and probably lose him next year. I think the ride would be worth it. As much as I'd like to keep him, I think get that kind of output out of him now and risk losing him, I think would absolutely be worth it. I think it's all good. He's because his his restricted free agency year is twenty nineteen, and if it was twenty twenty when all that twenty sixteen money was coming off the books, then we'd be in trouble. Yeah, but true, true, I, I, true. I still don't think there's going to be a ton of teams out there. Although his market's going to be a little broader than Marcus Smart's market, I would imagine. You know, like every team could use Terry Rozier, whereas Marcus Smart might be an acquired taste. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like. I feel like GMs who are a bit more savvy would probably be more attracted to Marcus Smart than Terry Rogier. That's probably a topic for another day, though. But, um, yeah, no, I think if we were going to have anyone come in and trump an offer for us or put an offer down that we couldn't match, I think, for Terry, I think it would probably be the end of him, sadly. And then for him in Boston, mm. that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait. We wouldn't just have to shoot him if he leaves. Slap him in the back. Yeah, that's what we'll do. <laughs> Something from a horror movie. Now look, guys, we're almost done here. In the upcoming week, between now and when we see you next, we've got the Thunder tomorrow in Boston. 
uh, early tomorrow morning, Australia, New Zealand time, uh, tomorrow night for you guys in the States, or probably tonight uh, by the time you're listening to this. The Blazers on Friday in Portland and the Kings and Suns out west on Sunday and Monday. Uh, looking forward to these four games. Personally, it's going to be tough given our, our strip back team against the Thunder and the surging Portland Trailblazers, but hopefully we can get some nice back-to-back wings, wins against the Kings and the Suns uh, early next week. Guys, thoughts on the, the games in the upcoming week? we got some hot teams to take care of. So there's two ways you can think about that, right? Like, you can think, well, the hot streak must end soon. But I'm not convinced on Portland yet. Like, I know they're getting a lot of hype, and 13 wins is a lot of wins in a row. But I'm still just, I'm still not quite buying it. I think they'll still probably beat us because it's at their place and they're, you know, they're healthy and they've got Lillard and McCollum. But um, I'm still not a believer yet. And I'm still not a believer in the Thunder. Although, since Brewer's been in the lineup, you know, they've been a lot better. Um, I, I, yeah, I think the Thunder have, they've tricked us a few times this season, right? Like they've, they've, they've had quite a few stretches where it looks like, okay, they've formed an identity and we can expect them to start to succeed. And, and they've kind of always regressed. <laughs> There's that word again. They've always done it. So like, I feel like, um, I feel like the Thunder need to be a little bit more. They need to show me a little bit more before I'm like real worried about this game. I think we're going to get the Thunder game, and I think we're going to lose against Portland. I would probably second that. A quick note on the Thunder for me is I think I think on their day they can beat absolutely any team in the world. I think that they could hand it to mm. Golden State, they could hand it to Houston, they could hand it to the Raptors as they've done. I think. When it comes to a series, though, I think that's where they're not going to be able to quite get it done. I think teams will just be able to figure them out because they have very limited options. Great options, nonetheless, but they are limited what they have. Um, Look, I would be, out of all the games we've got coming up, I would like to see us throw as much effort as we possibly can without risking injury to players, obviously. I would like to see us go at it and try and knock over the Thunder tomorrow. It's going to be a game, obviously, at the TD Garden. It's a big opponent. We had that great comeback whenever earlier in the season. I think it would be a great morale-boosting win if we could get over them. I'm not so optimistic, though. I think we're probably going to drop that game. I think the Blazers, although they are due for a loss, I think it might be a little bit too much to ask to do it on the road there. Um, so if we, can, if we do go 0-2, which would make it three losses on the trot, I think the perfect antidote to that would be to face two teams in the Kings and the Suns. <laughs> um, if, if, we were to, if we were to lose three of these games, obviously that would be highly frustrating. It would be annoying. And I think we would start to hear some of the grumblings of the fan community starting to come out. But again, I think we just have to take a step back and realize the second seed is pretty much safe. Kyrie's coming back. Jalen's coming back. Everything's going to be cool. But obviously, want to see us put some wins on the board, no doubt. Yeah, I definitely feel like I'm sort of in two minds about the OKC game. You know, I feel like in in one side of things, we're we're due for a win after you know after the last three games we talked about them earlier, a couple of disappointing losses, particularly against the Pelicans the other day. But then Russell Westbrook, I think he's had five triple doubles in a row, uh, and I think they've won all of those games as well. So they're they're a hot team, uh, and they're coming into our house, and they're they're surging towards a difficult. Uh, like treacherous future for them in the in the playoffs in the West there, and they're not going to be pulling any punches. And meanwhile, we've got our best guys, with the exception of maybe Al, uh, off injured. So my other mind in that is that I am working from home tomorrow. I'll be there uh, with everyone in the game thread, working, uh, air quotes, and and hot 
uh, commenting on the, on the thread there along with everyone else. So I'll be cheering the team on. Whether or not that has any effect on our ability to win, uh, I don't know. But I, I do think that we are we are due for one after a, a couple of tough games there in the last three or so. <laughs> uh, against the Blazers, look, I, I don't expect us to win that game. Yeah, it's um, it's on the road. We're a long way from home, and the Blazers are a hot team. So barring uh, you know maybe Kyrie or or Jalen Brown coming back, I just don't see us pulling that one out so worst case really i do expect us to beat the kings and the Suns. so in those four games worst case i think we can go two and two and just continue our hold on that second seed so really um the outlook is not all that bad i'd like i think if we get, if we get that thunder game i feel like i feel like we're fine you know that's the um, cupcake we right handle, we can handle the loss against the the blazers and we'll get two and then we'll have a three in one week and everything's fine and then the, everyone will feel pretty relaxed that we 50 wins in the bag yeah I just had a thought for the Thunder game tomorrow. If Abdul Nader can successfully <laughs> knee Steven Adams in the groin area and get away with it, I'll buy the jersey and I'll rock the jersey and I'll be I'll be I'll be I'll be Nader's champion. <laughs> Look, someone's got to do I it. Feel about that hypothetical. <laughs> All right, that'll just about do it for another episode of the Boston Celtics Reddit podcast. Thanks again for joining us for another week. We'll be back in a week from now. Jackson, thanks again for joining us, mate. Pleasure, pleasure. And Joe, all the way from New Zealand, all the best. It's fun. Thanks, guys. It's been great. Thanks again, guys. Please feel free to subscribe to our podcast and rate us five stars and do all the little things that will help us out. We're a, a new and upcoming podcast. We've got some exciting things planned uh, for the upcoming weeks and for the off-season, hopefully getting some special guests in from around the sub. Uh, until next time, it's been real. See you next week. Peace.